David is one of the most legendary figures in all of Scripture. He lived an extraordinary life, from a boy shepherd who slayed a giant to a king who made an epic mistake. His story unfolds across the pages of Scripture. But unlike most biblical characters, we get to read his own reactions following the most defining moments of his life through songs and poetry he penned. Each one gives us a glimpse through the window into his soul. Through this window, we can learn so much about how to handle victory and defeat. Together, let's look through the window and learn from the man after God's own heart. Psalm 139, grab your Bibles, pull it up on the app, however you're going to access God's Word, and let's lean in together. Psalm 139, starting with verse 1. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness won't be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book and before one of them came to be. How precious to me your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I, when I awake, I'm still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. The, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebellious? Are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. But search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The Psalms have been my hiding place for the last year. They've been where I have, have found refuge and retreat. There's a lot of things in the Bible I read and it... <laughs> You ever read the Bible and it just makes it worse? I need somebody in the room to acknowledge that. Like, like you, you just, you're just reminded of maybe how, how messed up you are and how imperfect you are and how, how often you get You ever just read the Bible and you think, yeah, I'm never going to be able to live up to that. I don't even know why. But when I read the Psalms, it just ministers to my spirit because I just resonate with David. Because I told him, maybe you don't need to know this about your pastor, but I'm, emotionally, I'm all over the place sometimes. Um, I'm one of those people, like, I have really high highs and I have really low lows and, and sometimes all in the same 30 seconds. And, you know, there's some people in the room, like, you're steady. Like, like you don't have high low highs and low lows. Like, you're just steady. Any, any, any steady, like, like, you just even kill all the time. It, it, anybody in the room kind of like that? Is that you? 
We're all, some people are like, because like I, it, it's just, it takes too, too much emotion just to go. What about any, the emotional people in the room? The people that are, it's funny to watch that. The, the non-emotional people didn't raise their hand. The emotional people are like. <laughs> like even in the way we acknowledge that we're emotional is emotional. And that's, that's why I relate to David because you just see that in him and you read his psalms and it's, it's not just a window into his soul. I feel like I'm looking through a window into my own. And about a year ago or so, like I started reading through these psalms and I've been kind of just teaching through the ones that have resonated with me. And maybe Psalm 139 has been the one that I've, I've needed most. And I always, I try to get into David's psyche in order to understand what he's writing. Because I think when it comes to the psalms, that understanding their inspiration is the key to unlocking their application. That when you kind of figure out, all right, why did, what was David going, like, you're, it's, it's his journal. He's writing these things. And, 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 and the Psalms were David's way of, of ministering to himself. You ever have to minister to yourself? Because ain't nobody else that's going to do it. And, like, you ain't nobody around. There's nobody there. You're kind of all alone. And there's nobody there to speak life into you. So you got to preach to yourself. I feel like I'm doing that some Sundays and Mondays, if I'm honest. But that's okay. And so David used the, the Psalms as his journal to write these things. And as I read through this psalm, I, psalm, I start thinking about David. And, and, and David is in the midst when he writes this psalm of pursuing his purpose. And I think sometimes we think that, oh, when we're pursuing our purpose, that's when we have the most joy. And it's all when we're pursuing our purpose, it's all exciting and fun and happy. And that's a load of crap. Because here's what I've learned in my life. You can't pursue purpose without increasing pressure. That when, when you pursue your purpose, when you give your life to anything of any significance, when you pursue, your, when you pursue purpose, it increases pressure. Like if you want a life free of pressure, give, it to, give your life to something absolutely meaningless. Because if you give your life to anything significant at all, pressure comes with the package. It's just a part of life. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, it, whether you're trying to be a spouse or a parent or pursue a career, like it just increases pressure. And the older you get, the more pressure you feel. And you feel like, one day I'm going to get out of this season and I'm going to get into a new season and you're in a new season and it's just more pressure packed than the one before it. And you ever feel like just the pressure of life is too much? It's just too much. Like there's so much pressure, you feel like it's, it's like crushing your bones. Like you can't breathe. And I think that's what David is figuring out. See, and you know, some of us, some of us are living under the pressure of finding our purpose. And we feel the pressure because we're 40 years old and we don't know our purpose. And we should know our purpose by now. It's a lot of pressure because I don't know my purpose. And we just put that pressure on ourselves. And like David wasn't in that position. Like he got his purpose hand delivered to him through the prophet Samuel. Like he just shows up at his dad's house one day and starts going through and says, Hey, Jesse, uh, who's David's dad, one of your sons is supposed to be king. And it's, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. Do you have any more? Yeah, we got the, my youngest who's the runt of the litter. And he, surely you don't want him. And it's like, let me bring him out here. Yep, that's him. And the problem is David is told that his purpose will one day in, be in the palace, but he has to go back out to the pasture. And I'm sure there were days when he was working the pasture, he was dreaming about the palace. And then he grows up and he becomes 
king. And that was a purpose that came with a lot of pressure. Because it was, it was one that came with massive responsibility. Massive responsibility. I, can't, like, I can only imagine, David's writing this, he's in the midst of pursuing his purpose, and his purpose was to be in the palace as king, and it came with all this responsibility. Like, he, he's the king of a nation, and so he's got everybody looking to him to make sure everything is good and everything is right, and he's, everybody's looking at him to fix all the problems and to make sure everything's smooth and to make sure the nation is provided for and protected. And can you imagine the weight of that responsibility that must have been on his shoulders and having to carry that? No, I'm pretty sure nobody in here is destined for royalty. But you also can identify with massive responsibility. Like, like you didn't walk into this room today, like you, you drug yourself into this room because you have this massive responsibility in some platform or arena of life and like, like you don't know how to handle it. Like there's people, there's people in the room, like, like you have the responsibility of, 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 of being a single parent and that kid is looking to you to make sure they have food in their belly and clothes on their back and, and there's nobody there to help you with the homework and you don't know how to do that math. And you're thinking about their future and all the things they're going to have to do. And, and like, or there's people in here like, you know what, you, you, you've got this position at work. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you, you have more responsibility than ever. And maybe people's lives are even at stake. And the company's money is at stake. And, and you, you, you wanted the promotion, but you didn't realize the promotion came with so much pressure. You just thought it came with a little bit more in the paycheck. And we love the promotion when it comes to the paycheck, but the pressure is more than we bargained for. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? You just feel that massive response. And now, and now, where there were times when David was in the pasture, he was dreaming about the palace. I think there's now times where he's in the palace and he wishes he could go back to the pasture. Now, the pasture wasn't easy. Being a shepherd was not a was a difficult job. You got to deal with the dumb sheep. You got to fight off predators. You get, I mean, like you you can't you, you got to always be on. You got to be in your heightened awareness. You got to be paying attention. It was difficult. Being a shepherd was difficult, but being a king was complicated. Who knows? There's a big difference in difficult and complicated. And I would trade difficult for complicated any day of the week. Can you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people, there's maybe some people in the room, you're like, oh, I just can't wait to be married. This is so difficult to be single. It's complicated to be married. <laughs> Amen, somebody. There's a, don't trade difficult for complicated. Difficult, you know. Difficult, you can do. Difficult is just more effort, more sweat. Complicated, you're just like, And you're trying to figure it all out. And then you find yourself like, you, you feel the entire weight of the responsibility. And you know that maybe, and maybe, maybe you're not a single parent or maybe you have coworkers or whatever, but like you're in that position. And, and like there's just people that can't relate. 
When David was, was a shepherd, he could go talk to other shepherds and get advice and wisdom. And, 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 and his father had been a shepherd, and so he could ask questions. But as a king, you're out there on an island. Anybody ever just feel like, like you, you know you're not alone, but yet you feel so lonely? And it's not that you don't have people to listen. It's just you doubt if they'll understand. And so not only are you carrying the weight of the responsibility, you feel all alone. And then on top of that, the responsibility gets heightened because maybe people that you were depending on to help you carry it keep letting you down. Not showing up. Not following through. Not doing what they were supposed to do. And pressure just starts building and building. And, build. and if it wasn't enough that, that David has to deal with massive responsibility, he's doing it in the midst of incredible uncertainty. David, David had no idea what he was doing. How could he? David, David didn't get to go to King College. He had, he had no real way to fully prepare himself to be king. As, and as much as, as he could lean into some lessons that he learned as being a shepherd, nothing could prepare him to be a king. And I think, I think there's, there had to have been days when David was like, I hope nobody else finds out that I have no clue what I'm doing. I have a lot of days where I pray that prayer. God, help that church not to realize how dumb and poor I am at this job because I need this job because I have a family as well. And I think you've called me to do this, but the reality is I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, like here's the, and, and you know what, David, David, there was no way for him to know. He, he stepped into this position as king, and it's not like he grew up in a royal family. You know, we, we watch these TV shows, and, and we see how this royal lineage had been passed on from generation to generation. And, and the prince was the prince before he was the king. And he got to watch the king and learn from the king and, and figure out how to be a king while he was a prince. David didn't get to do all that. David was only the second king. David grew up in, 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 in a shepherd's household. And the, he was only the second king of the nation of Israel. And the first one was Saul. And he wasn't that great of an example. He was a hothead who eventually got so depressed and, 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 and threw a spear at David's head. You don't want to learn from that guy. And eventually he takes his own life. And, and so David's having... To figure out how to be something he's never been. He's trying to figure out how to do something he's never seen done. And the overwhelming uncertainty of that had to do nothing but create more pressure. And some of us in the room that, man, we can relate. You're trying to be a good dad and you never had one. You're trying to be a good mom and you never got to see that. You're trying to have a healthy marriage, and you've never got to witness that up close. And you're trying to, to fill this massive role with all this responsibility without feeling like you're prepared at all to be in that position. And then you begin to wonder, like, God, why did you put me here? Why did you even let me get, you don't, if you don't think there were days where David in the palace looked at God and said, God, you chose the wrong person. Because I don't know what I'm doing. 
I knew how to shepherd. I'd watch my father and I'd watch my grandfather and I'd watch all these things. Like, why, why did you choose me for this? Why did you, why did you pick me? And there's a lot of people in the room, like the pressure is building because you feel the weight of the responsibility in the midst of incredible uncertainty. And you're like, do, do I even deserve to be here? And if that wasn't bad enough, you're feeling the massive responsibility in the midst of incredible uncertainty all the while while you're under constant scrutiny. Because everybody around you is watching you. And everybody around you has got an opinion on how you could do it better. And how they would do it better if they were in your shoes. And they got an opinion, and whether you want it or not, they're going to give it to you. They're going to tell you how you could be a better mom, a better dad, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, a better coworker, a better this, a better that. Because they are perfect and they've got it all figured out. And you know what? They know everything. And doesn't it seem like the negative voices always are the loudest? And they never shut up. Always got something to say. And you almost feel like it too. Like you can't do anything without some type of critique or criticism. They've never been in your shoes. They've never done your job. But they got a good idea of how you could do it better. Ain't never been a pastor a day in their life. They want to tell you how to run the church. Sorry, went off script. And then you start to like believe it all because those voices are so loud. It's not that there isn't any encouragement, but there's just so much negativity and it's so loud. It drowns all the encouragement out of your life. And it feels like they're the only voices and the pressure keeps building. And when you're living in massive responsibility and incredible uncertainty and constant scrutiny, the next place you'll find yourself is battling overwhelming insecurity. Because that's where that kind of pressure eventually will drive you. You'll start to doubt everything. And you start just feeling so insecure about who you are. You look in the mirror and it's not that you don't like what you see. You're not even sure who you see anymore. And you start battling with the am I enough? Should I just quit? Is it worth it? And the enemy starts to use that insecurity against you. And it begins just to take root. And you start to just think you're just bad at everything. And you start to wonder... Why God let you be Aiden and Leah's father and Ashley's husband and Vintage's pastor? Because you have no idea what you're doing. And when is going to come the day when everybody finds out that you're a fraud and you can't do this. And the best thing to do is get rid of you and find somebody else. You don't think David had those moments? When the entire kingdom is telling him, well, hey David, you remember how Saul did it? David, you... Are, do you even know what to do here? Didn't you spend most of your life in a pasture? And here you think you have the ability to be in the palace? And all you have the, is the word of some dude that showed up at your house one day when you were a little boy? And yeah, you killed a giant. But can I see a little bit? Can I see your resume? Because I'm not sure you're qualified. 
And the bad part about it is, man, when insecurity starts taking control, it's a bad place to be. It's a dangerous place to stay. Because what you'll find yourself doing is you're, when, when pressure builds and, and all that stuff is happening and eventually drives you into insecurity, you'll start, you'll start doing some really unhealthy things. You'll start leaning into comparison. And we live in a world that makes comparison really easy to do. And what you'll find yourself is going to social media just to see if you can find somebody to make you feel better about yourself. Like, I know I'm bad, but there's somebody that I'm friends with that's worse than me. I know I'm having a bad day, and I don't feel good about myself, but there's somebody in here that they, they got to be going, they, like, somebody's husband's got to be mad at them. Somebody's got to be fatter than they've ever been. Some, like, there's got, right? Just me? You're not, look, you're not looking there just because you're like, i got to find somebody to make me feel better about myself. Like, oh, no, she's happy. Look at her. I know that angle makes her look good. But anyway, he's lost 15 pounds. She got a job that I applied for. Their kids actually look normal. Like, what is... And it just makes it worse. And you went to the place that you thought could maybe pull you out of insecurity, and all it did was drive you further in the pit. And you're convinced that social media was definitely created by Satan himself. And then you get, you get overly sensitive. And everything feels like criticism. It doesn't matter what they say. You're so trapped in your own insecurity that anything anybody says feels like an affront, feels like an attack. You, you bring donuts into the office, and somebody says, oh, I see you brought donuts. Oh, Sally brought donuts last week. You loved her donuts. You don't like my donuts? Her donuts were great. My donuts aren't good enough? Like everything feels, every question feels like a criticism. And next thing you know, because you're in that space, like your, your relationships are starting to get tense and everybody's walking on eggshells around you because they don't know what they're going to say that's going to set you off. And all you've done is continue to isolate yourself a little bit more and to the point where like, the, the only thing that you can think of is, okay, if comparison won't do it, and crit- like I just need to find a place of comfort. And for me, comfort is just insulating myself and keeping people at a distance. Because if I keep you over there, the chances of you making me feel worse are less. And so I'm just going to start keeping everybody at arm's length and not let anybody in. Or the worst thing is, is they're going to see how insecure I am and really begin to question everything. And so just kind of keep everybody at a safe enough distance where they can't see the insecurity that I'm battling. And this is a place that anybody can get. And you know what I've learned? The most arrogant people are often the most insecure, and that arrogance is just a facade to hide their insecurity. And the question is, how do you pull yourself out? And see, that's what I think Psalm 139 is about. Is I think David, David went through these seasons. David had this, this pressure of being king. He had the massive responsibility of caring for all of these people. And he had this incredible uncertainty because he had to be something that he had never been and he had never seen. And then he had everybody, because he was king, questioning his every decision. And and if you don't see insecurity in David, you haven't read the Psalms enough. 
He, even, even he starts to want, he can't even distinguish who's an enemy and who's not. When he was in the pasture, the enemy was clear. They were easy to spot. It was the lion. It was the bear. When you're the king, the enemies are harder to distinguish. It's more complicated. And now even in this, you see this psalm kind of take a hard right turn. God, you know me, you love me, you do this, but I hate certain people. Like you even see like the tension that's happening in this place. And, and what I really think David wrote Psalm 139, even if it wasn't for himself, it was for me, of, of how to, the things he needed to remember in order to rise from the pit of insecurity. That in, in those, because see, he, he knew that when you're in the pit, only God can pull you out. And if you get dependent on something other than God to pull you out, you'll stay in the pit a lot longer than you should have. Yeah, you need other people. And yeah, you can have some great people, some great friends, some, some great accountability partners that encourages, encourages you to pull you out of the pit. But you can't be dependent on anything other than God to get you out of the pit of insecurity or you'll stay in it longer than you have to. And so David's writing some stuff that he needed to be reminded of and that I've been needed to be reminded of that, that helped pull me out of the pit. And over the last year, I've just wrote some of these things down. First one is this. What you need to remember if you're battling the pressure and the insecurity is growing. Number one, the one who knows you best loves you most. The one who knows you best loves you most. You need to remember that. Because insecurity builds when like, you feel like, like you have to jump through everybody's hoop and you, you have to earn people's love. You have to earn people's affection and you have to earn people's approval. And it is exhausting, isn't it? And you feel like you, to, for, you, you need their approval. To, to get their approval, you've got to do all these things and fix all these flaws. The one who knows all your flaws still finds value in who you are. And that's what he's doing. Look at what he's saying. That's exactly what he's reminding himself. The one who knows him best loves him most. Because he says, Lord, you have searched me. And, and you know me. You know the real me. You know the, the me that nobody else knows. They only think they know me because they see me from a distance. And they judge me based on appearances. But Lord, you know the real me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You even know the things that I think. You discern my going out and my lying down. You fam you're familiar with all of my ways. Like you're familiar with every flaw, every imperfection. And yet you love me enough to still come to this planet and die for me. And because you died for me, only you get to define me. If you didn't die, die for me, you don't get to define me. Before, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You love me even when I say dumb things. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your, you lay your hand upon me. Do you see that? Like you know me so well, like, like God isn't, it isn't paying attention to you. I didn't talk about this yesterday because it just hit. Like, like sometimes we think, oh, you search me and you know me as if God is sitting on some throne far away watching you saying. But he's watching you so close that he can touch you. Like he's not watching you from a far off place. He's watching you so close and so intimately that he can reach out and put his hand on you. That's how close he is. And he says, Lord, knowledge of this is too wonderful for me to even understand. Like, I can't even comprehend that, the, that you, know me, you know me best 
and still love me most. Second thing is this. You need to get this. Pressure is relieved by leaning into his presence, not increasing your performance. See, a lot of times we think the way to relieve the pressure is to try harder, to do better. That that's how I relieve the pressure. That there's so much pressure from work and there's so much pressure from these places. And if I just just try harder, if I just learn a little bit more, if I just get more skilled, if I can just do better, then I'll relieve some of the pressure. Because what we think is if, if, if I up my performance, I'll finally be able to hit that result, that expectation that they have of me. And what you realize, you try harder, you hit that expectation. And then the next expectation is up here. And the next goal is up here. And all you, well, what you thought would relieve the pressure only increased it. I'm not saying that we don't need to try harder sometimes. And our performance isn't necessary. But the performance will not relieve the pressure. Only leaning into his presence will. And I think some of our default to relieve pressure is just to try harder. Well, I won't feel as much pressure we can grow the church a little bit bigger to make sure we have enough money to pay all the bills and do it. And if we just get a little, if we just do all these things, like, like, like all the pressure will go away. And just reminding that, that every time the church gets bigger, that's just one more person that can critique everything that we do. Like, relieving the pressure is not about your performance, it's about his presence. And I think there was, t- there was times when David was tempted by all the criticism just to be a better king, be a better king, be a better king, be a better king. And if I could just be a better king, then maybe the pressure will go away. And what he realized, I keep trying to be a better king. I keep becoming a better king. But the pressure just keeps increasing instead of decreasing. And so he has to remind himself that I need to be in the presence of God. And he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You know what he's saying? If I do well, you're there. If I do bad, you're there. If I'm good, you're there. If I'm bad, you're there. If it works, you're there. If it flops, you're there. Do you see that? That's what he's saying. He's saying like when, 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 I'm, when I'm nailing it, when I'm being a great husband, you're there. When I'm really being bad, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, Or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will uphold me. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. But even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. That your presence and your desire to be with me is not dependent on my performance. That there will be people in our lives that their presence in it is dependent on our performance, but that's not God. There'll be some people, they'll want to be in your presence just because of your performance to ride your coattails on the way to the top with you or to get what you can give them. But David's reminded himself, God, that's not you. You don't spend time with me because of what you can get from me because I don't have anything I can really give you. And you're always there. And you notice everything that I do. You see all the things that I do in the secret, all the things that I do in public. That the things that go unacknowledged by them do not go unnoticed by him. That there has never been a tear that's dropped from your cheek that has gone unnoticed by your heavenly father. And there's never been a smile that hasn't been responded by one of his own. 
Final thing is this. You need to know that your level of security is dependent on the location of your identity. Your level of security is dependent on the location of your identity. Where you allow your identity to lie will determine the level of your security. And if it lies in anything other than God, security will, insecurity will always be the byproduct. When you put your identity in a label instead of the Lord, insecurity is inevitable. And it's so easy for us to buy into this trap, to get into this place where we let our identity be tethered to our label. Because some of us, we got some really good labels. I love some of the labels that God has allowed me to have. I love the label pastor. I love it. I love the label husband. I love the label father. I love the label son. I love all those labels, but they're just my labels. They are not my identity. Before I am a husband, before I am a father, before I am a pastor, I am a forgiven, free child of God. bought and purchased by the blood of the one and only Son of God. And in Him alone is where I find my identity. In Him alone is where I find my value. In Him alone is where I find my worth. And that's hard to remember. And I've had to even take permanent measures to remind myself that in Christ alone. That at the end of the day, I don't care what you think about me. It felt so freeing to say that. Because at the end of the day, if you can lay your head on the pillow and say, Father, are you pleased? Are you honored with what I did this day? Because you saw it all and you heard it all, even the things that didn't audibly come out. Are you pleased with what I've thought and what I've said and what I've done? And if I can say yes, that's a good day. Because remember that you were, he created your inmost being. You were knit together in your mother's womb by him. So you can praise him because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And his works are more wonderful than you can understand. And you know that full well. Your frame was not hidden from him when you were made in a secret place. And when you were woven together in the depths of the earth, he was there. His eyes saw your unformed body. And all the days of your life were ordained before even one of them ever came to be. Own that song. David realized that in moments of insecurity, when the massive responsibility and the incredible uncertainty and the constant scrutiny started to well up insecurity in him, the only way to pull himself out of that pit was to be reminded that the one who knows him best loves him most. That it's in his presence, not in his performance, where pressure gets relieved. And his identity must always be in his Lord and not his label so you bow your heads and close your eyes with me and tonight I want to talk to the people in the room that are being crushed that are hard pressed on every side that the, the weight of the responsibility that you're carrying for what you have to do in this life for your family or for your community, like you're the glue that's holding this thing together and you're, you're trying to, and, and, and yet you're about to fall apart. <laughs> and you look in the mirror and you say, 
I don't know why, God, you called me this because I'm not, I wasn't ready. I'm not prepared. I can't do this. And those voices around you are so loud and so negative and so crushing that insecurity is welling up. And tonight, you just need to step into the presence of God and lean in and allow him to start freeing you from some of that to be reminded that he is good and he is God and your identity rests in him. And I want to pray over you tonight because I know what that's like. And so I'm going to invite you to make your way to the front and just stand around this altar because I want to lift you in prayer. If that's you, you say, you know, what Matt I just need you to pray for me because I'm carrying that weight I feel that insecurity beginning to build I feel like it's going to crush me I feel the pressure of this life I'm doing things and I'm in places that I never expected God to put me in and I have no idea what I'm doing and I have no idea how I'm going to get through this and how I'm going to carry this so if you want to come you can stand you can kneel however you feel led but just come on come on come on come on come on and I'm going to say this because I noticed a trend yesterday that just about everybody that came down was a lady. And so I want to say to you men out there, swallow your pride and admit that the load that you have is heavier than you can carry by yourself and come and allow yourself to be prayed over. So come on, come on. Who else? Give us the opportunity to just pray over you tonight. You can kneel, you can stand, however you feel comfortable. Come on. All right, prayer warriors, I need you. Will you come down? Those of you who fill up, will you come down and put a hand on somebody? It don't matter if you know them or not. It doesn't matter if they're a stranger to you. Just come gather around these people gathered here. And as you get down here, you put your hand on somebody and you just start calling out to God on their behalf. It doesn't matter if you know their situation or not. But would you just pray over the people that are here? You can pray audibly. That's fine. Just let a chorus of prayer begin to ring out in this room. Because there are people in this room, they didn't walk in here tonight. They limped in because the, the weight of the things that they're dealing with are just heavier than they ever thought they would be and they just need God to give them some relief because the insecurity is welling up and they just need to if you're down here tonight what you're doing is, is, is you're fighting for your freedom you're pushing back against the things the enemy's trying to use to defeat you because this is what he wants if he can give enough pressure and convince you to abandon your purpose he wins because your purpose that God created for you, it matters. It matters. Your purpose. And it your job, you're thinking, why well, I'm at this job? Because I don't like it, but it's a platform for your calling. The job might not be your calling, but it's a platform for you to pursue your calling. And so realize tonight that God has something he wants to do in and through you. And yeah, I know the pressure is mounting, but the purpose is worth the pressure. So, Lord, I pray that tonight that you would just begin to sweep over this room and that people would begin to just fight back against feelings of insecurity and start to find their security in you. And that security can only be settled when it's rooted in the identity that you've put in their hearts. May they see themselves not as some title, some label, some position, but understanding that they are forgiven, free, called children of God with the resources of heaven at their disposal. And may they lean into that promise tonight, God, and fight through the pressure and order to find healing and hope. 
I'm going to invite those of you who are still out there, if you'll stand with us, and we're going to finish our time worshiping. If you need to stay here and pray, you stay here and pray. We're going to worship, but you allow God to work and move in this moment. Let's worship Him tonight. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.